Well, tonight we begin a study on Old Testament characters, men and women of the Bible in the Old Testament. We begin, of course, in the book of Genesis with a fellow named Adam. Adam is a fascinating study because to study Adam is to study us. Did you know you are not a created being? Did you know that? I'm going to lay several bombshells upon you. You are not a created being. There's only two, actually one, that God ever created, and that was Adam and Eve. It's said that after Adam and Eve began to have children, it's described as these are the generations of Adam. You are not created, you are generated. It sounds a little less personal than created, but follow my line of thought. We are generated out from Adam, from the original creation. We are created by God. But I want you to see it that we are really generated out from Adam. So Adam's story is our story. And really there are only two Adams. There are only two federal heads to the human race. There's the first Adam that we'll study tonight, and then there was the second Adam. Now before we look at chapter 1 of the book of Genesis and a little bit of chapter 2, because we're just going to deal with Adam tonight, next week we'll bring Eve alongside and, and we're going to talk about the creation of male and female a little bit tonight, but mostly next week. So but tonight we're going to talk about man and why God created man. Why are we here? Why has God taken us and placed us on this earth? Now, this world we live in gets it backward. They say that this planet and nature, and it's, it's, that's really the big thing, and, and we're, we're just kind of come along as custodians of nature. There's a, there's a commercial out uh, that's fascinating that talks of, and actually it's nature talking, it's the ocean talking. How many of y'all have seen that commercial with the ocean talking? It's talking to humanity. And the ocean says along a lot of things that, you need me, I don't need you. You better take care of me, and that sort of thing. We were created on the sixth day as God's greatest creation. All of the earth was created for us, not we for them. The world we live in, if you're clearing land and there's some kind of spotted owl in a tree, they'll stop all kind of construction to save that spotted owl. We're more concerned with preserving, and not that we shouldn't, but we're more con concerned about sea life than we are human life. But when God created, he created us the very pinnacle of his, of his great creation. Now, why did God create Man, you have to go way back before man got here. Listen carefully, and then we'll turn to chapter 1. It was a great struggle in heaven, long before man ever showed up. We're not told when it happened. It's described for us in the Old Testament as Satan, the devil, rising up against God the Father, God on the throne. Satan, uh, whose, whose name was Lucifer, 
was the great choir director, the worship leader, if you will, of all heaven and of all angels. He was the most magnificent, incredible creature that God had ever created up to that point. He was angelic. He was the head of the whole deal. Somewhere back in eons ago, he decided that he would be greater than his creator. And lifting up his heart to take a third of those angels with them, they rebelled against the throne of heaven. God took Satan, Lucifer, who became the devil, and through his rebellion, and cast him down to the earth, threw him down along with the angels. They became the demons that are presently here, along with the head of it all, Satan. Now, at that point, God the Father did not defeat. He simply cast Lucifer down. He did not defeat him at that place. What would God use to defeat his enemy, that great angel Lucifer? What particular tool would God use to humiliate this mighty cherubim? Are you ready for the answer? It's you. It's man. We were made a little lower than the angels, the scripture says. And he crowned us with glory and honor. And it was his will that he would take mankind and use mankind to crush his arch enemy under his foot. We were made to crush God's enemy. He would humiliate the great sheriffin by taking someone lower than the angels to defeat the greatest angel that he had created. We were created to crush Lucifer. Now, how do we do on the job? Not real well. Not real well. In fact, we fell into sin. And we are generations from that fall. Well, did God ever take a man to crush the enemy? Yes, he did. It was the second Adam. The second Adam did what the first Adam failed to do. The second Adam became all that the first Adam was meant to be. We were meant to reign and rule over all God's creation in dominant fashion. We were meant to crush Lucifer under our feet and humiliate the enemy of God. And we never did, but Jesus did. And now we're in him, and we're progressing to the place with full victory under our feet because Satan was crushed and defeated at the cross of Jesus Christ. Follow me? You must see the dignity and grace and honor that God had made the first man and what he destined us to be was so much more than the fall that we fell into. All right, so take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 1. And let's see the creation of Adam, which is the creation of us all and the generations that we came out from Adam. Chapter 1 of the book of Genesis, and we will begin down in verse 27. I say verse 26, I'm sorry. Back up to verse 26. God in the six full days that he had created was done with all of his creation. All the plants and animals and seas were teeming with life. 
And all of a sudden, on the, towards the end of the sixth day, within the sixth day, verse 26 says this, And then God said, Let us make man. Well, who is the us? Because it goes on and says, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. There's more than one, at least there's one speaking to someone else. This is a direct reference to the Trinity of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the conversation that they had. God would never turn to an angel and said, let us make man. He said, he would say to an angel, I will make man. But to co-equal persons of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, here it says, let us make man. Two things. After our image, after our likeness. They're almost the same word in the Hebrew. The image has reference a little bit more to the exterior stuff. Likeness has reference to more of the interior stuff. Let's read on in the verse and then talk about why why that's important. The very first thing that references man's responsibilities, notice, and let them have dominion. There it is, power, dominion. Strength, honor. Let them be in control. Man's desire now to be in control is a God-given, it's, 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 it's way out of line because it's covered under the umbrella of sin, but the very powerful desire we have to control things. I mean, we go watch action hero movies because those guys can control lightning and control the elements and control these things which was what man was destined to do. Do you, do you know everything that Jesus did in the physical body on this earth, we were designed to do, to walk on water? That'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Look at, look at it says, And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all, notice, all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Isn't that interesting? Let them have dominion over the snakes and the lions and the wild animals and all deer. Back then, if you were a hunter, you just went into the woods and went, and the deer came out. You didn't shoot them back here. I'm sorry. The illustration breaks down at that point. See how sin enters in and messes it anyway. Verse 27. So God did what he said he was going to do. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Now watch the reference. This is fascinating. Verse 27. Male and female created he them. What you have in verse 1 is the general creation that God made of Adam and Eve together. What you have in verse 2 is the specific backstory of how it actually played out, a little bit of a delay for Adam. But here you have male and female. Notice this. The image of God was not complete without both sexes, without male and female. 
How many of you guys would be brave enough to raise your hand and say, women drive me nuts? You cowards out there, you scared. Well, sure, your wife isn't here, David. I, yeah, you're, you're... How many of you ladies out there would be, oh, you, you'll have no problem to say the men drive you nuts? Go on, yeah, sure, you just raise your hand up. We are so different. We're more than physically different. We're mentally different. We're spiritually different. We're different in every possible facet there is. But that which drives you crazy about the other is the image, is a part of the image of God Himself. Men are not complete in the image of God without a woman next to Him. And the, and, and, and the woman doesn't show the complete image of God without the attributes of typical manhood. It takes both of them together to display the glory and image of God. So the stuff that's irritating the punch out of you on the opposite sex is the very parts of the image of God that you need to see. Both in the image of God. Now what does it mean to be the image of God? Listen carefully. We were created, we'll see in just a few minutes in chapter 2, of made out of clay and dirt. We'll talk about the importance of that. But the way God did, and don't think of it as incremental segments of he did, made the clay and then the clay kind of, the body laid around for a day or two and he kind of looked at it and thought, you know, it all kind of pulled off at the same time. He took clay and dirt and he created the body and after he did it, he says he breathed his, he breathed the breath of God, his spirit into the body. At that point, it said the body became a living soul. So what is a soul? It is the very combination of the breath of God with a physical body, creating a living soul. That's why nothing in this world makes you happy, because everything in this world is dead. Only God is living. You created a living soul, and you'll only respond in joy and happiness in your relationship with God himself through Jesus Christ. It's the only way to pull that off. Because we're made a living soul. So what happened? We have within us several things. We are body, soul, and spirit. Therein is probably the image of God. Now God does not have a physical body. Nowhere does it say that. Uh, God is a spirit. But Jesus has a body. We are body, soul, and spirit. When God breathed within Adam the breath of life, bringing to him the spirit of God within him, he created three things, really more, two sets of three. He gave us an intellect, the ability to think. We're the only creatures that can do that in terms of making thinking decisions, at least to our level. He gave us emotions. God is intellectual. He's a thinker. He gave us emotions. Emotions of happiness, anger, joy. He gave us emotions like jealousy. You know, the Bible says God is a jealous God. He gave us these emotions. Some people are outward with their emotions. Some people bury their emotions. But you got them, one of the two. He also gave us a will. And really, a will was the apex of the three. It was the highest point. We choose to get saved by our will. 
He gave us an ability to choose. Do you know that? I have a happy report for you this morning that after the morning service, uh, Louis Morales and his wife, uh, Karana, gave their hearts to Jesus. They got saved back there on that back pew. Both of them bowed their heads, received Christ, and I'll baptize them next week. What do they exercise to do that? They exercise their will. I simply presented the gospel, their need to be saved, their need to be born again, and they said, yeah, we want to do that, and they got saved. So we have an intellect to think. We have emotions to feel life. We have an ability to choose in our will. We have those things. We have, let's read on. I think I want to get to that when we get down to those verses. Notice verse 28. And notice, and God blessed them not him or her. I'll punch that a little bit more. He blessed them, male and female. You got it together? He didn't bless male and male. He didn't bless female and female. He blessed male and female. He blessed them. Very clear. Do you have any idea what the society thinks of that statement? They accuse me of hate speech, hate speech if they heard that one. He blessed she and he. That's what he blessed. Didn't bless anything else. Look at verse 28. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. It's probably the only commandment of God that mankind has ever really taken serious. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. I'll just say this briefly. He gave us the incredible, beautiful gift of sex. You know, the only creature that God has ever created that engage in sex for pleasure and for bonding. Most, man, most animals, it's just a, a matter of being in heat. It's a process. It's all it is. Not for us. For us, it's a sake of bonding and love and fellowship that we share that's that's meant for marriage and marriage alone that bonds a male and a female. It's a beautiful gift. And from it, the little ones come. You know? So look at verse 28. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. And I want you to have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air, and there it goes again. Now, look at verse, chapter 2. Let's, let's do a little bit more study. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God rested. On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done, because God was extremely exhausted from the six-day process. He was not tired. He rested because he wanted to turn around and enjoy his work and revel in his creation. Man was created for rest. We were not created to be stressed out to the point of being sick. We were not created to be place ourselves under such an exhausting load that we don't enjoy life anymore. 
Now, there's a certain amount of stress that's healthy for any human being. We have to perform and get things done. But God created us on the sixth day after he was done with all of his work. We were, our first day was God's seventh day. Our first full day was sitting around with him, resting. Isn't that beautiful? So where is all that rest gone? We don't, by the way, the Sabbath, the Saturday, was a Saturday. That was God's, really Sunday was the first day. And then, so to the Jew, Saturday was the Sabbath. We don't do this kind of stuff anymore because it's Old Testament and it's kind of gone now. And, and we meet on Sunday because that's what the church kind of embraced, the resurrection day of Jesus, the first day of the week. So we've taken Sunday. But you know, and some people, they, 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 and I think you ought to rest on Sunday and not do a lot of labor and a lot of work. We do some things around our house, but not heavy stuff. Uh, so what's all this rest? The whole Christian life is to be lived in rest. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God, the book of Hebrews says. We are to rest in him because he is resting in us. He's so excited about his creation, he took a day off to watch and look. You. All right, look at verse, uh, look at verse and on the seventh day God rested. So verse 3 says, so God blessed the seventh day and made it separate or holy. Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, these are the generations of the heaven and earth when they were created, in the day that God made the heavens and earth. Verse 5 begins the specific creation of Adam. Verse 5 says, Now when no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, Now, there are no verbal fillers in Scripture. There's a reason he's setting up the creation of man by saying there's no bush in the field, there's no small plants going on. There's a reason. Take a look at it. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain. The first rainfall was, do you know when the first rainfall was? Noah, hundreds of years after this. It didn't rain on the earth. Rain was a brand new thing for Noah. The floods brought the rain, and ever since it's rained from the sky. Up to that place, per creation, on the second or third day, I believe it was, God had covered the entire earth with a crystal beautiful covering of atmosphere that blocked us from the harmful rays of the sun, and every day there was a mist that came up from the ground and then laid back down on the ground to water everything. There were springs, there were rivers, there was oceans, there were supplies like that, and these springs fed everything with this mist. It was an incredible greenhouse of lush, incredible creation. But it says here, referencing there's no bush in the field, there's no small plant, there's no rain. Why? And there was no man to work the ground. Now, I beat this thing over my head a thousand times trying to figure out why that's there. Why are we setting up the creation of man by saying there's no bush in the field, there's no small plants, there's no rainfall, there's no man tilling the ground, there's no man taking care of the stuff out there. This is the best I got. You ready? This is the best conclusion I've got. There's no farming going on. There's no irrigation. There's no organized crops of corn and wheat 
and the stuff that men eat. There's no cultivation of anything. Things were wild and random. But God is a God of organization. God is a God who wants man to have something creative to do. So he just didn't, well, he planted a garden, we'll see in a few minutes, but there was nothing cultivated. There was nothing created by the hands of God at this point that man could create because he wanted to give us things to enjoy. Interesting, isn't it? There was random wildness out there. Well, look at, look at as the story goes on. There was no man to work the ground and a mist was going up watering the whole face of the ground, then the Lord God formed. With his very hands, he formed the man of dust from the ground. Now stop right there. we got to talk about this. We were created from the clay. We were created from the dust. That is not our humility. That is not our shame. That is our glory. We were created out of the very elements of the ground itself, brought up as a man of clay. That is our glory. It is our glory because of the next phrase. Notice what it says. And breathe into his nostrils the breath of life. God breathed his spirit within that hunk of clay, and now he stands and he thinks and he feels And he has a will. And he is in the very image of God himself in those things. Here you have this combination of God and dirt. That is our glory. Sin was never a part of the original creation. A man's body was his glory. And still is today. There is no sin in this body. There isn't. For thousands of years, the church has made the wrong conclusion that sin dwells within, or sin is flesh and matter. But the Bible says that that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. If our matter is sin, if this physical body is sin, then Jesus had a physical body just like us. And yet, without sin. Now, flesh, as far as we understand the principle of sin uses the body. It can use the body. But there's nothing sinful about the human body. Nothing. In fact, the Bible says for you to glorify God in your body. If you think when you get to heaven that you're going to be bodiless, you don't know heaven. You will have a physical body in heaven just like you have it right now you will feel your skin you'll feel your forehead there'll be warmth you will have a body a better operating body and a perfect body oh I can't wait to see what I look it won't matter what you look like the reason you want to know what you look like is because of sin entered in and you just you're all about you See, and I'm all about me. When we get there, we won't care. 
You know when Adam and Eve fell, that they're going to fall in a few weeks into sin? The very first thing they recognize is what? They were naked, like they didn't know before. I'm convinced that when they walked, the glory within their body shone like lights. Their body was glorious. Look at the glorified body of Jesus Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration. He shone with glory and lights. What a magnificent creation God created. We live in these temples of clay now, but we're told to glorify God with our bodies. Don't anybody ever tell you that sin and the body are one and the same, that matter is sin. That's an old Gnostic lie. Men have beat their bodies up and tormented themselves thinking that sin is in their flesh. A lot of questions I can see in your mind. Verse 7, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nose. You ever wonder why he didn't breathe into his mouth? Took these two little pie holes right here and just, there it came. Maybe he wanted Adam to smell him. The scent of God. Notice the breath of life, and man became a living creature. And then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man who he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring every tree that was pleasant to the uh, sight. Notice, and good for food. Now we're going to stop and talk about the last verse, and then we'll be done. When I went a couple years ago, about two years ago now, to sit with a, a group of atheists at a college class, there was 20, 25 of them, and they surrounded me as we talked about God and the Bible, and they had a lot of mocking, and this was one of the areas they mocked, and they thought this was hilarious, that, that God in chapter 1 had created everything on the first six days, and all of a sudden in chapter 2 you have this, the trees springing up, and, and God, they thought that was hilarious. Now, wait a minute, did he create it in the chapter 1 or chapter 2? Or, you know, what's, what's going on here? Is he, is he confused? Making fun of this passage. Had, he, had they never heard of a literary device called backstoring? We read it all the time in books. We see it all the time in movies where there's flashbacks to earlier times, giving more detail to the story. It's called backstory. This is nothing more than a literary device called backstory where God goes back, Adam goes back, Moses goes back, whoever wrote Genesis, Bible says Moses wrote it, and they tell a little bit more detail of something that happened at an earlier stage. I want to just interject that because I want to show you the foolishness that the lost man, or at least the atheist and agnostic, take the Bible and they think they've torn it to shreds, and it's, they just, it's ignorance. That's what it is. I had a good friend tell me the other day that atheists don't believe in God, and God doesn't believe in atheists either. Think about that. In God's mind, there are no atheists because they know. Okay. Last verse is this. So God takes the tree of life. This is where the, <laughs> this is where, this is where the rub comes in. Why did he have to do that? The tree of life was in the midst of the garden. If that had been the only tree, but there was another tree, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Whew. Why would he put that there? Why not just the tree of life? We'd have been a lot better off, would we have not? No, we would not have. 
If we had just had the tree of life, we would never have had a choice of will. We would have been robots. In God's original design to take us and to develop us spiritually to the point where we defeat Satan and crush him under our feet would have never happened. The very creation of man necessitated that he would be a free moral agent. If you don't have a free moral agent, all you have is a robot. Now, did we fall and make a bad choice? Absolutely. In the, in, in the generations going out from that, we have suffered greatly. But the mark of the gospel is Jesus came as the second Adam to reverse all of that, crushing Satan under his feet and bringing great victory to our doorstep that we can walk in. All right, let's stop there and have questions. Any questions about Adam's creation? You see from the original design, the, 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 the creation of man was just not fellowship with God. It was for God to use mankind to crush his enemy and to humiliate him. Now, God could have crushed him for the beginning, but what great, greater humiliation than to take a, crea a creation lower than the angels to defeat the greatest angel? Cheryl? Cheryl?